Hi, it's David Paul with the Hot Button number 88. Studios wouldn't make that. We live in an era when how we feel about any given subject seems to stand in for truth. Don't get me wrong, I love opinions, I love discussing and debating opinions, but somehow it seems like all of us have forgotten that facts exist, no matter how inconvenient. We on the left like to think that this quirk of sanity somehow belongs to the right. Certainly our previous president of lies defined those issues for years. Some of us on the far left, as on the far right, are perfectly comfortable accusing those who are not as far set in our ideological posture of also being factually disconnected. Anyway, on the movie front, I had a conversation with a group of people I meet on with the regular this morning, and this endlessly repeated, they would never make that movie today, Saw came up. This tends to be like wagging a red f- cape in front of me. Why? Not because I have a vested interest, but because I know this to simply be a false notion. After a year of movie theaters being mostly closed and six months of hopping on one leg, then the last five months of trying to shake its bonds, the facts seem to be lost on people who feel, as all of us of a certain age tend to, that they don't make them like they used to. I offered up facts of what happened in the early aughts, as DVD made it near impossible to lose, to lose money. One big piece was that movies should have been made for, that should have been made for 30 or 40 million dollars were being made for 60 million or 90 million. Not exaggerating. This is also a period when advertising expense skyrocketed. So when that ended in the late aughts, the market for everything except big worldwide release movies shrunk like a large man hitting a cold pool of water. But while it felt like, and it feels like, massive and quite personal shrinkage, it was really just the market finding its way back to sanity. Enter Netflix Originals and a massive new pool of funding opens with a very different set of expectations for the work being output, and thus, falsely, looks like streaming replacing theatrical and all things other than quote-unquote tentpole movies. Well, let me set a few actual statistics up before I stop typing and boring you. I'm using stats from Box Office Mojo, which has made itself almost impossible to navigate for research in their reboot a couple of years ago, but I'm going to soldier on. In 2019, the last remotely normal year for a theatrical box office, there were 57 movies with a significant, fewer than a few percentage, domestic presence, or more than a few percentage, excuse me, with a worldwide gross that was over $100 million. Slicing broadly, I see that 32 of those 52 movies, $100 million grocers worldwide, are tentpole movies, meaning they had a budget of $100 million or more, or they were major sequel, major reboot, major piece of IP. So I'm including both, say, The Avengers Endgame and Dora and the Lost City of Gold. I'm not being clever or strict or trying to, you know, make this go my way by using stat- statistical games. The only movies I see that don't qualify for this and were the movies that I say qualify from 2019 that didn't get to $100 million domestic were Rambo, Last Blood, and Charlie's Angels. Everything else that was one of these tentpole kind of movies actually made over $100 million worldwide. Some of that, of course, some of them still lost money, but that's a whole other conversation. The 32 movies we're talking about grossed $20.3 billion, <laughs> a little more than half the total of the entire worldwide gross. But here's the part that people are pushing away. $2,500 million worldwide grocers with a legit domestic footprint grossed $4.7 billion. And yeah, that's not $20 billion, but it ain't chicken scratch either. Further, as you go below the $100 million grossing ceiling, 68 non-tentpoles grossed another $3.3 billion worldwide that are, again, domestic footing. So now the movies, no one allegedly makes anymore, added up to $8 billion of the gross in 2019. 
93 movies that nobody would make, no studio would make, brought in $8 billion in 2019. That's $4 billion in rentals actually paid to distributors. That's more than any streaming company's annual net has been so far, right? International films that have no American footprint or a very tiny one, under 2%, account for another $7.1 billion. Mojo is kind of missing $5 billion from the overall gross for that year. I presume most of it's international. I'm sorry. I can't fix that. And I'm not going to bang my head against the wall for that for fun today. So we'll just have to live with that little hole there. Anyway, streaming companies born of streaming and built out of legacy companies are willing to essentially pay back end up front for however many titles that would make up that roughly 100 films that studios no longer make each year. There will be fewer of those films made by studios, some of them in the same company as the streamer, that, you, that want to use Windows and generate the kind of revenues from the first window that we're talking about. This is not an argument. I'm not saying they aren't going to or that it's not going to cut into the number of films that are actually released by theatrical, by you know, what are now considered theatrical windowed studios. But that's really not the conversation. It's not they won't make them. It's somebody else is taking those away off the table. You don't need to make more of them. Um, did it make sense for Lionsgate to pony up $250 million each for the next two sequels to Knives Out? Of course not. If the $311 million worldwide gross of the first film was replicated or surpassed by both sequels, yes, they would hit break-even, probably, and maybe even make a profit, a few extra bucks. Not a lot more, but a few. But it's a hell of a bet for Lionsgate to make. For Netflix, it's a chance to own a franchise that people will not only watch, but actually like. It may be $100 million more than they would have liked to have spent, but their priority is having impact titles, and they've had very few and far between on the movie side of this company. So that's the value to them. Anyway, Lionsgate distributed Knives Out in the first place. They left themselves exposed to the sequels going elsewhere. But Lionsgate will make and distribute more movies in that price and quality range. Sony paid $100 million for a Tarantino drama and for Little Women and Escape Room. And Universal paid for a very expensive war movie without stars in the leads in 1917 and released yesterday and Us and A Dog's Journey. Warner Brothers had the worst of it in 2019 commercially, but released The Kitchen, The Goldfinch, Motherless Brooklyn, The Good Liar, Richard Jewell, and more. None of these movies could get made, but they all got made. And they accounted for about a third of the revenue from Hollywood output for the year. COVID did not change this fact. It's put us through a lot of paces, and sometimes change that starts as temporary becomes permanent. That, too, is a legitimate argument, but it doesn't change the facts. And I will offer you one more fact. It's a lot of facts in one fact, but whatever. One last fact. Bob Zemeckis made Back to the Future films reportedly for $40 million a pop. His next two films after Back to the Future 3, Death Becomes Her and Forrest Gump, cost $55 million each. His next three films, Contact, What Lies Beneath, and Castaway, were over $90 million each. The Polar Express, the next middle film, $165 million, and that's probably low. Beowulf, also probably low, $150 million, and then Christmas Carol for Disney, $200 million. What were his next two films as a director? Flight and The Walk, made for $31 million and $35 million. What's my point? <laughs> The market changes. What is makeable for a price changes. Would a studio make contact what lies beneath and cast away for over $90 million each today? Absolutely not. But not because they're out of that business. $90 million is just too much given the way things are valued. A streamer would spend that money for any of these movies with stars of those levels in a second. 
But remember, that would include, and it'd probably be more like 150 million each, all the upside in the back end. As it turns out, those three movies made $900 million in theatrical, and given those times for physical media, DVD and such, probably not less than $600 million with a return of more like 80% for those than the 55% for theatrical. So about a billion dollars in returns for those three titles. Probably a little bit more. And the streamer paid less, paid you, producer of those three movies, the company making those movies, less than half of that amount. Now, there was no risk. So that's nice, right? But it cost the producing entities and participants at least it would have if that were the deal, if they'd gone to streamers instead of doing a theatrical and all the windows, at least a couple hundred million dollars. So pick your win, pick your loss. What streamers offer for now is a lot of risk avoidance, and there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean the math is changing magically overnight, though. It means that a new player, multiple new players, with a different set of options and a lot of loose cash came to town, and they're hungry, and that's great. But believe you me, or just believe Netflix and their deal for Knives Out. They want the lowest risk and the greatest reward, just like every legacy, old school, no class, stuck in the past studio that you want to make fun of and kick to the curb. We have always got trouble here in River City, and just because Harold Hill is selling a fantasy doesn't mean we should buy those should not buy those instruments and uniforms. But facts help us remember that just because we fancy a marching band doesn't mean the church choir is now a worthless relic of the past. Facts help, us, help keep us from simply replacing one illusion with a new one over and over and over again. Change is good, but not just because it's change. Until tomorrow.